you for joining the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, we are studying the first 14 chapters of the book of Acts in a study entitled The Power of the Holy Spirit Through the Churches. During this study, we will observe how the Holy Spirit worked through the churches in Jerusalem to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. So, grab your copy of the Winter 2022-23 through 23 Adult Study Guide and your Bible and follow along. Today's lesson for December 4, 2022 is entitled, The Church's Marching Orders. It comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, verses 12 through 14. The key verse, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The application, the student will observe Jesus' plan and promise of power for the work of his churches must continue to do until he comes again. Seeking the Context Acts is the God-inspired church history book, and Luke is the historian. In his gospel, Luke gave an orderly account of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts picks up where Luke's gospel ends and records approximately 32 years of church history. It is the link between the Gospels and the church letters, and much of what we know about the early churches comes from Acts. Acts does not record the birth of the church, as many mistakenly say. Instead, it records the growth of the first church that Jesus established during his personal ministry, and it grew to number into the thousands. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, verse 47, chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 14. Furthermore, Acts records the establishment of many other churches throughout the world, primarily in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The theme verse of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, tells why the Jerusalem church grew and how other churches were established. They were witnesses. As the Lord gave the Jerusalem church her marching orders to be witnesses everywhere, so too churches today have the same orders. Luke was a close friend and traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and wrote much of Acts from first-hand experience. Note we in Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. He received other information from men like Peter, John, Deacon Philip, and other key figures of the early churches. Luke wrote Acts while the Apostle Paul was imprisoned in Caesarea, and then later in Rome, completing it around 62 AD, with Paul under house arrest in Rome, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Acts gets its name from the early Greek manuscripts, some naming it the Acts of the Apostles. The term Acts refers to the history, achievements, and great deeds of heroic people. Indeed, Acts contains the history of many great heroes of our faith. Today we stand in this history, the Lord's churches doing the work of witnessing as commanded by the Lord. As we work our way through this book, may we be motivated to be like those early churches taking the gospel into all the world and establishing more churches for the glory of God. What are some important events recorded in Acts? Searching the text. Number one, promise. 
Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts starts on the day Jesus ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, where he is today, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus' resurrection ministry had lasted 40 days, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and on the final day, Jesus told the apostles to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. This is the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit as comforter that Jesus had foretold. John chapter 14, verse 16, verse 26, chapter 15, verse 26, and chapter 16, verse 7. As Peter plainly stated in Acts chapter 2, 32, verses 32 and 33, this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, which was 10 days after the ascension. Now, just as the birth of Christ was not his origin, so the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was not his origin either. God the Holy Spirit is eternal, and he was at work at creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost started the New Testament ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us and in us today. Jesus foretold of this promise during his earthly ministry. He said that the promise of the Father would endue them with power from on high, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. It would be as rivers of living water flowing out of their bellies, John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. The Holy Spirit would not just dwell with them, but he would be in them, John chapter 14 and verse 17. The Holy Spirit would testify of Jesus and enable believers to witness for him, John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. He would reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, John chapter 16 and verse 8. The Holy Spirit would also be their teacher, teaching them all things and reminding them of everything Jesus had said to them, John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit would come and replace the void Jesus left when he ascended, John chapter 16 and verse 7. What Jesus had promised them was the full magnitude of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of convicting, regenerating, indwelling, sealing, baptizing, and filling believers in Jesus Christ. Hence Paul said, Now if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the essential sign that a person is a true believer. Volumes could be written on this magnificent ministry we enjoy today. John the Baptist baptized with water, showing a believer's repentance. But Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. John himself foretold this. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Mark chapter 1 and verse 8. See also Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 and Luke chapter 3 verse 16 and John chapter 1 verse 33. The baptism of the Holy Spirit initially occurred on the day of Pentecost and was repeated a few other instances in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 verses 14 through 17, chapter 11 verses 44 through 48, chapter 19 verses 1 through 7.
Peter understood this when he saw it at the house of Cornelius. Acts chapter 11, verses 15 and 16. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was always within a church context and was God's initial means of outwardly showing his presence among these early churches with miraculous signs. It seems to me that it was the outworking of the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit and is strongly associated with the work of New Testament churches. It is the Holy Spirit's indwelling of individual believers in salvation greatly intensified in the gathering of New Testament churches. Granted, much debate has occurred on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe your class can have a healthy discussion on the topic. How are you aware of the Holy Spirit in your life? Number two, power. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The apostles were still not quite sure what was happening. It had been a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. They had watched the Lord's crucifixion, were very afraid and quite confused. They were overjoyed at the resurrection but quickly became frustrated with Jesus' frequent absences. John chapter 21, verse 3. Here they asked if Jesus now planned to establish his earthly rule in Jerusalem and liberate Israel from Roman domination. They wanted the millennial reign of Christ to get started, but it was not time yet. Jesus had told them previously, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew twenty-four thirty-six. They were to watch and be ready, verses 42 and 44. They were to witness, and Jesus' rulership on earth in Israel would come. But the important business at hand was witnessing to the lost. We live in the age of witnesses, in the age in which people can respond to the gospel and faith and be saved. But those days will end one day. We must make the most use of the time of witnessing today and be less concerned over the events of the future which we cannot know. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would receive power. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 18. This is the power of authority. Jesus, as the head of every church, gave every church the permission to preach the gospel. The power spoken of in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is strength power or enablement. This power would come with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We have this power today. So the next time you say, I cannot witness, Remember that Jesus has enabled you to witness in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Do not make a habit of calling our Lord a liar. They were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the far reaches of the planet Earth. This means 
that they were to go within their own neighborhoods, but also out into the larger region. They were to go to places that they really didn't want to go, like Samaria. And amazingly, this little group of people, that first church in Jerusalem, was responsible for the gospel going out all over the earth. Oh, what God's power in powerless people can do. Witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. That is the point. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The question we must answer is, are we? Can you name one person you witnessed to this week? Number three, prayer. Acts chapter 1 verses 12 through 14. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealot, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Waiting might just be the hardest thing to do in life. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14. To obey the Lord, they must remain in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the arrival of the Holy Spirit with power from on high. But while they waited, they did some very important things. The Jerusalem church was assembled in the upper room, about 120 members present, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. The obvious should be stated. You cannot have church without assembled believers. There is no substitute for personal presence. Too many people say that they are members of such and such church, but have not been to a church gathering in months or maybe years. Are they really members? But assembling is not all they did. There was a special togetherness, one accord, verse 14. This is a word used often to speak of the unison, harmony, and closeness of the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, verse 46, chapter 4, verse 24, chapter 5, verse 12. They had the same thoughts and passions. There was a true love one another spirit in this church, John chapter 13, verse 34. They were truly a family of faith, and there is nothing more beautiful on earth. As we read the names of the apostles, think, think about the women that were there, see Mary the mother of Jesus, and even hear that the Lord's brothers had become believers. We see what a mixed group they were. One was a former tax collector, and another was a zealot. Matthew and Simon would have been bitter enemies if not for the Lord. Only the Lord can put together a church in one accord like this and make it the most powerful witness on earth. Another important thing they did together while they were waiting was pray. Likely they prayed that the Lord would help them wait and be ready when the Holy Spirit would come. They likely prayed that they would use the power the Lord would give them to be witnesses and to be bold in their witnessing. I am sure that they prayed for one another. Sadly, it seems that church meet, prayer meetings have been set aside for what has been deemed more important. 
But is there really anything more important than a church family coming together in prayer? When was the last time you were a part of a church prayer meeting? Setting the application. In the same context that Jesus told the apostles that he would send the Holy Spirit as comforter, he also told them, For without me ye can do nothing. John chapter 15 and verse 5. This is why the Jerusalem church had to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Without him, they were powerless to do anything. With him, they were a powerful witness for the Lord. With the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we can say with the Apostle Paul, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We have the power, but are we witnesses? I would guess that if we were all honest, none of us witness for the Lord as we should. Maybe we are afraid, too busy, or just do not know how. But we really have no one to fear but God. And Paul said that we believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Then he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Verse 11 Whom do we fear, God or man? If we are too busy, it is likely in pursuit of our own entertainment. But if we do not know how, keep studying the book of Acts, and we will see over and over examples of witnesses for the Lord. What is your biggest obstacle to being a witness for the Lord? Thank you for joining us in another lesson in the Adult Study Guide podcast. We look forward to studying with you again next week as we continue going through Acts 1-14, through 14, observing the power of the Holy Spirit through the churches. Until then, join us daily for our daily devotionals at www.bogardpress.org.